Good morning. Oftentimes in a Sunday sermon, Frank refers to people who live in the margins, people who have little power or privilege which can create feelings of otherness. A person could feel that otherness in how they practice their religion or in their social or economic status or in what we'll talk about today, the area of gender identity and expression. We've known from an early age that differences between us, between people, can create fear and confusion, which can separate us from each other. It's good to learn about these differences as a way of understanding and including. Recently, as was said, several of us here at church participated in an online program called Transforming Hearts. Transforming Hearts centered around the experiences of being transgender and non-binary. As an introduction to those terms, a trans person is born into a body that doesn't match up with how they feel in their minds. For instance, I was born a girl, but I might identify in my mind as a boy, or I could even identify as non-binary, which can mean that I don't necessarily feel like a boy or a girl in the traditional sense. This can be very puzzling and could separate us from our ability to be people of compassion and inclusion. Transforming Hearts provided us with some understanding and now we have the opportunity to bring some of that understanding forward. We can practice being allies and lovers of justice. We discussed many informative and exciting topics in the program. One topic considered was the subject of culture with a capital C. All cultures share the same needs and experiences, like birth and death, belonging to family units, needs surrounding food and shelter, enjoyment of the arts. While it's true that some people's needs and desires are basically the same across the board, Different cultures take on different shapes. Learning about trans culture helped stretch my mind, recognizing many of the differences, yet seeing sameness as well. We all desire to be accepted. We all desire to be in community. And we're all wanting love. The term cultural relativism can be defined as being open-minded about another's culture seeing it through the other's lens. We here have the remarkable capacity to do just that. After all, love is the doctrine of this church. We are unique in the ability to open our lenses, especially here where we honor different faith choices and where we accept others for who and what they are. Learning about transgender culture can be pretty exciting I'm curious about things such as transgender celebrations and symbols, gender fluidity, and using right pronouns. If you're like me, that last one, the use of pronouns, may require some patience with myself, as well as needing grace from the genderqueer community who, like everyone else, wish to be respected. Celebrations in the trans community can be exhilarating especially if you've ever been to a pride parade or a drag show. 
I remember the time my gay brother-in-law took a few of us vacationers to a drag show in San Francisco where he lived. We were all grooving to the music and the show, and about 15 minutes into it, my mother-in-law leaned over to me and exclaimed, why, they're all men. <laughs> a bit of silence passed before she just resumed clapping her hands to the beat of the music and just enjoying the show. <laughs> Gender fluidity was another big topic to discuss in the program. Gender fluidity surrounds the fluctuation in one's gender identity or expression, thought, and appearance. If we look at history or in a global context, gender fluidity has always been present in the human experience. Yet unfortunately, it has felt necessary to be guarded in society for so long, for too long. In light of gender fluidity, I personally would like to dig deeper into the role that biology has in making us the way we are. Science explains how gender fluidity can develop in utero. X and Y chromosomes, or XX and XY, can run contrary to clear-cut boy-girl development during the first weeks of fetal growth. Opening the door to this science gives me a big aha. This is a biological epiphany for me. Opening my heart's lens to learning about trans culture runs parallel to my thoughts about UU culture. I think of words that sometimes open our Sunday services. These are usually framed as a welcome to whoever or wherever a person is in life. I love the phrase, you are welcome here. As a gay woman who might not feel that sense of ease in other faith communities, it gives me feelings of peace and belonging to hear those words. And I imagine it may also feel that way for those like me who may live slightly on the margin or even closer to the edge of the page. I was once gifted a rainbow t-shirt that reads, be careful who you hate. It could be someone you love. And in the words of Brene Brown, people are really hard to hate close up. My hope is for us here to enjoy the opportunity and the gift of getting close up. My hope is for us to help knock down walls of prejudice and fear that can keep some folks living in those very unfair and very limiting margins.
Is that the cutest unicorn you've ever seen? <laughs> I want to take that home. Good morning. Thank you for being here and holding the space for each other. Today I'm going to share some, uh, some thoughts about the experience that I had taking the course, Transgendered Inclusion in Congregation. But before doing so, I'm going to share something very personal that's very related to today's sharing. It's going to be very hard. About 30 years ago, I was on a phone call with my biological father. I was scared. I was about to take a leap of faith. I was coming out as a gay man. It did not end well. Since that day, I have not heard from him. Sadly, I don't even know if he's alive. My heart will always ache and mourn for the love not shared between us. Around that same time, I found a gay men's spirituality group at a local UU church made possible by their welcoming congregation committee. This was my first introduction to the UUs. And in that group, I met so many other men from a wider spiritual community. We engaged in powerful conversations and affirming. And I even got to attend my first commitment ceremony for a gay couple at the South Church in Portsmouth. It was magical and affirming. At one point, I mentioned to a friend of mine my experience with the UUs, and he said, oh yeah, those UUs are known for great food, great conversation, and being an LGBTQ plus ally. And from that conversation, the word ally stood out. So being the wordy guy that I can be, in case you haven't met me, I'm very wordy. So I looked up LGBTQ plus ally, and this is what I came up with. It means expressing unconditional kindness with no judgment at all of another's life experience. So I was convinced that the UU community and all that it stood for was an ally for me. I felt the love. I felt the love the trust, and the acceptance that my father and others were unable to provide. So in that spirit of paying forward, I decided at that time that I was going to be an ally for those inside and outside this beautiful community. And I remembered that definition. Unconditional kindness with no judgment at all of another's life experience. And now that I've shared some of that personal experience, I'd like to pull it forward and share some things that stood out about this course. The first was the use of pronouns. I had such severe anxiety about the pronouns. And the biggest reason was that I was afraid of offending somebody. And so all my concerns and all my questions were addressed when I took this course. Also, one of the facilitators said, the use of pronouns affirms gender identity and creates a safe spaces by referring to individuals in ways that feels most accurate to them. So therefore, I'm using the following pronouns, he, him, his. 
to let those know inside and outside the trans community that you can count on me as your ally. I hope you will join me and the wider community in this effort. So another thing that I've learned is this beautiful ideal phrase called the beloved community. And so again, being the wordy kind of guy I am, I went and looked up what is this beloved community and I found this, so be very patient with me. Beloved community happens when people of diverse racial, ethnic, educational, class, gender, abilities, sexual orientation, background, identities come together in an interdependent relationship of love, mutual respect, and care that seeks to realize justice within the community and in the broader world. I believe our community is putting in a great deal of effort towards the manifestation of this beloved community. So finally, one of my favorite readings that we do on Sunday mornings is the Unison Affirmation. Sorry, Reverend Frank, but I have another name for it. It's called the Ally Mantra. Sounds pretty good, huh? It is something that I read to remind myself when I need reminders for being an ally. So please, for the second time today, open your order of service and please read the Unison Ally Mantra. <laughs> Love is the doctrine of the church. The quest for truth is a sacrament and service is his prayer. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another to the end that all souls shall grow in harmony with the divine. You sound so beautiful. So in closing, my name is Tom. I identify as a gay man and as a trauma survivor using the following pronouns, he, him, his. Thank you for being my ally, and it's my hope that I can be yours, be well, be loved, be yourself, and yes, be an ally.
Sometime around 2005, I was at a party. I was at a party with a bunch of peers, many of them you use, and there was a conversation going on. I don't know what the story was they were telling. I just know that suddenly it started to get a little bit of hubbub, and I heard a lot of, well, I mean, I guess you could, or, well, I mean, no, I mean, I didn't mean to say, I mean, yes, and then suddenly somebody burst out over the whole thing, over the voices of all the party and said, I want to live in a world where it's just taken as a given that a king could have a uterus. <laughs> and there was a moment of hush, and then a moment of applause. <laughs> and I, I, oh, that sentence though. I mean, it's silly, but it stuck with me. And I kept thinking, what would it be? What would it be to live in a world where it was just taken as a given? As much as we now take it as a given that someone's partner might be a man or might be a woman, and we don't assume, we've gotten there, I think, in this room. If we were in the same place of just not assuming that a person had a particular anatomy because of the way they present to the world. Now, I came of age in the 90s and grew up in the 80s. And despite living in pretty progressive circles, the only not notion of transgender that I heard then, and we were using less kind words, many of them, was this idea of someone changing complete 180 from what they were born with to a different anatomy, and oh, it was all focused on the anatomy, the surgery. And the idea that if they were successful, they would pass, which is to say they would look like a person who had been born of the gender that they wished to appear as to the point where the average cisgender person wouldn't even be able to tell. And if they couldn't get to that point that like something was maybe not, wrong, not right about that. That was the culture of gender that I grew up in. And I suppose it probably won't shock you to hear that I did not identify as transgender at that time. That felt like a them. And that was not a me, sure. And if I kind of envied them actually a little bit, if I sometimes spent hours in front of a mirror arranging my clothes and trying to get them to fit so that my chest looked a little different or maybe you didn't notice my hips so much, I didn't really think about it. Or if I did think about it, then it sat strangely in those dark of the night moments when I was giving this thought against the fact that there were other days where I was genuinely gleeful about appearing as a woman, where I genuinely enjoyed being in my flesh, even in dresses. But that wasn't transgender. That transgender was that other thing over there, that weird thing, right? Time went on. Obviously, the words, the concepts, the pictures started to change. And I also encountered images, images of something that wasn't either or. Some of them were ancient images, like Shiva Ardhanarishvara, which means the Lord who is half woman, an ancient image of Shiva. 
with a man and a woman on the two sides. Some of them were very new, like Jadzia Dax in Star Trek, a being who had lived generations, some of them as a man and some of them as a woman, and did not see themselves as separate. But for a long time, all the images that I encountered were either divine or supernatural or science fiction or fantasy. They weren't things that a human being right now could be. And it wasn't until I started hearing these new words. Genderqueer was the first one. Genderqueer. I loved that. It sounded playful. It sounded, in my mind, like, yeah, actually, maybe me. And then later, non-binary. A little more solid, a little less playful. Also a word you could potentially use in the doctor's office. And I started to find a name, and not just a name for what I felt on the inside and how I wanted to exist, but that there were other people out there who felt the same, other people who wanted to live the way I lived and who turned around to the people around them, to their communities and their loved ones, and said, this is me. Can you see me? and for whom those communities started saying yes. That this was a thing you could be in public and expect to be seen and named. That was a miracle. And now, now as a non-binary person having come through that time, I am watching my children's generation and the teens that I know in my life and their friends. And friends, they have come already in their own places to a world where no one assumes that a king doesn't have a uterus, <laughs> where gender is something that they play with, with expression, with pronouns, where changing names is just a thing you roll with where anyone can wear what they want to wear. And if they want to change their bodies, if that's what makes them feel themselves, then sure. This, it's coming. This is the miracle. This is the thing that the conservatives in the country are so scared of. In the Transforming Hearts program, one of the things that struck me, it was a small thing, it went by in one time, they were talking about the difference between inclusion, acceptance, and radical welcome. And the thing that they named was that inclusion, the beginning step, this is a thing I've heard in many churches for a long time, those who will stand up at the beginning and say, we welcome all people regardless of their sex, gender, race, sexual orientation, and then they'll go sit down, content in the knowledge that they have told those people that if they come in here, we're good with that, that's fine. But the assumption under it is that they're not here yet, that they are not we. 
Radical welcome. Radical welcome is when we know that we are people of many races, many genders, many sexual orientations, many faiths. That that is we. And yet, when we don't assume that a king doesn't have a uterus, <laughs> that's the call. That's the dream, and that is what we are moving towards. That big, beautiful we. Thanks for coming on the journey. <laughs>